Welcome, everybody, to the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am Mike, one of your co-hosts. And uh, first off, I want to say thanks so much for tuning in this week. We appreciate every one of you guys listening week in and week out. I know that, uh, you know, you've got a lot of options when it comes to podcasts out there. And, you know, there's a lot of Columbus-based podcasts. So uh, the fact that you're tuning into this one uh, really means a lot to us, and we appreciate all of your support. That being said, it's just me today. Again, you're going to have to deal with uh, another solo introduction, but uh, don't worry, won't be flying solo on the interview today. Uh, and our guest this week is Mr. Steve Testa. He is the president of Nationwide Children's Foundation and uh, really, really great guy. Interesting, interesting story. He's been around uh, to quite a few different places, but uh, made his way to Columbus. You know, taking over the Nationwide Children's Hospital Foundation is uh, no no small task, but he's been doing it since uh, January of 2018. And, you know, I think that uh, anytime you get the chance to talk to someone who's leading a philanthropic arm or, you know, a nonprofit like that, you can really sense the passion in these types of people. So I think you'll see that in Steve. And uh, as usual, uh, you know, we hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hope you learn a lot. And we'll be right back. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Today on the show, Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places people haven't before. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace discomfort. I love how you said that, a little uncomfortably. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our products, but more importantly, I believed in our people. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Olman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today, and that goal stays the same 24-7-365. This is Conquering Columbus. Hi there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I'm Mike. We got Tim over there hanging out today. How's it going? Good, Tim. Good, man. And uh, Josh is lost in Indy. He uh, was uh, on a business trip and uh, got held up a little bit. So no Josh today, but today on the show, our guest is uh, Steve Testa. And Steve is the president of Nationwide Children's Foundation. And he was appointed president of the Nationwide Children's Hospital Foundation in January of 2018. Uh, he joined the Nationwide Children's team in 2014 and served as senior vice president and executive director. Then he leads the philanthropic arm of the fourth, uh, the fourth busiest children's hospital in the country, an institution with patients from 50 states and more than 52 foreign countries, accounting for more than 1.4 million patient visits annually. Nationwide Children's Hospital is ranked in all 10 spe specialty areas evaluated in the U.S. News and World Report's annual compilation of America's Best Children's Hospitals. And prior to joining Nationwide Children's in 2014, Steve was Assistant Vice President of the Foundation at Valley Health Systems and previously a direct Director of Major Gifts at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. He has also been an Executive Director at CCS Fundraising, and we are excited to have Steve on the show today. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here and uh, appreciate you stopping by on a Thursday evening to chat with us. So how's your day been going? Really well. It's as well as I can go in, in the pandemic, but we're uh, we're hanging in there. Yeah. Is that so the question I have for that is like, you know, we hear that COVID-19 affects children less, but I'd imagine you guys are still 
probably all hands on deck at the children's hospital. We are. Yeah. So it, it is what you said is true. So it is affecting children less. Um, you know, we have seen some patients at the hospital, but not nearly at the levels of you would see in the adult hospitals. And, you know, being an employer of almost 14,000 people, you know, it affects our staff. So, and, and it certainly affected our fundraising, which I think we can, we can get into, um, affecting everything. Right. No, I mean, that's, is something that I want to touch on later because I imagine that, you know, fundraising probably took a hit because of this, but we can, we can dig into that a little later. One of the, one of the first places we do like to start is just get a little background on yourself. So maybe where you grew up, how you got to where you are today, any big highlights that really stand out to you in your life? Yeah. I'm from a pretty small town in Southern New Jersey. Uh, it's called Millville, New Jersey, which no one had ever heard of until a few years ago when Mike Trout broke into the big leagues and mm-hmm. that's Mike's, Mike's hometown. My parents are both, uh, both in, from Jersey. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So I spent my, we moved here when AP, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack your story, Yeah. but, uh, they just love New Jersey. They, they, they moved here, they moved to New York for AP and then moved to Columbus when AP relocated to Columbus. So they are still diehard Jersey people, you know, food, yep. uh, bagels, pizza. They're just the biggest snobs, orange, you know, water. Like we say soda. If you said pop growing up in my house, like you, it was like you're excommunicated. Yep. Um, but we, we, uh, like my whole childhood, we would go back and spend summers there and, you know, holidays and stuff just like that. Just got back so, from the beach. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom worked in Seaside Heights. I spent a lot of summers there. Uh, Asbury. So, so we're south of that. Yeah. Is, um, is where we grew up. But Sorry, I'll let you get back to it. No, it's fine. <laughs> if my mom's listening, she's going to be so stoked right now. I do say orange and mm-hmm. forest. And my, Mario. I, I get made fun of all the time. <laughs> my accent. It is it is soda, not pop. It, it is soda. That's for sure. Well, I mean, I, I feel like that's like a coastal thing, right? Like, because I grew up in California. We call it soda down there. And if you mm-hmm. call it pop, you looked at like, like just a freak. Yeah. It's a very Midwest thing. Right, yeah, like middle Midwest. They just love pop around here. And Unless just, you go south. I've never understood. Then it's all Coke. My sister went to t- uh, Tennessee for college. So we go down there. They'd be like, you want a Coke? Sure. What kind? You just black one? You just told me. They're like, what right. kind? Sprite? Yeah. You know, I'm like, no, those, that's Sprite, not Coke. But yeah, yep. everything was a Coke. So, that's yeah. right. Yep. So I, yeah, I, I grew up uh, in Mike Trout, Jersey. In Mike Trout uh, <laughs> land now. I ended up going to Catholic school my entire life. So I went to Catholic elementary school, Catholic high school. Um, and then I went to a small school in Washington, D.C., the Catholic University of America, and graduated there in 2002. Ended up getting right into fundraising, which is uh, pretty rare. And a lot of people, you know, I didn't certainly didn't go to school for that. I, I was an English major and had no idea what I was going to do. I thought maybe I'd go to law school or be a teacher. I had, I had no idea, but kind of fell into the fundraising world, which we can talk about. Yeah. You want to share a little more about that? How, how yeah. do you fall into the fundraising? Yeah. World? Most people <laughs> do. And, and, you know, the fundraising industry as a whole has really evolved and, and matured over, I'd say the last, you know, 20 or 30 years where it used to be, if you were hiring a fundraiser, it was someone that did something else or they retired and now they're doing this. And it got more professionalized over the last couple of decades. But still today, most people don't go to school or think about, hey, I'm going to be a fundraiser when I grow up. Like they just don't even know that it exists. I certainly didn't. Um, but I was interning. Well, actually, I, I had a job at a museum across the street from my college, just collecting tickets in the summertime when I was a sophomore, um, taking people on tours. And the first company I ended up working for CCS fundraising is a fundraising consulting firm. And there was a consultant working there and she had stopped me in the hallway and said, Steve, I don't, uh, I don't feel like setting up a career day booth over at Catholic U. Uh, I need a, an intern for the summer. Uh, would you consider doing it? 
And I said, well, what do you, what do you do? And she said, I, I do fundraising, I do development. So well, what is that? I don't even know what that means. And she said, do you want beer money or not for the <laughs> summer? I said, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, ended up interning with her and then she ended up leaving. And then another, one of her colleagues came on and really took me under her wing and, um, uh, really took interest in me and said, Steve, do you want to know why you're doing these, these tasks? And so I, I worked for her my senior year and then they ended up hiring me when I graduated, um, when I graduated that summer. Uh, but that it's funny when I think back like that one moment and I have a horrible memory, but that moment of bumping into her in the hallway and her saying, Hey, you know, I've seen you around. You seem like a nice, smart guy. I, I need an intern. Would you do it? completely changed the trajectory of my life. I mean, I don't know what I would be doing right now had I not bumped into her in the hallway. And I still see her from time to time at conferences and things, and we both get a, get a laugh uh, out of it. But uh, yeah, that's how I, how I fell into it. My experience of people that are in fundraising, and this might just be mine, but it seems to be people who are either in law or around the law, went to, we're going to law school and left. Is that like by coincidence or does that those kind of coincide? I notice it's a lot of people that are, usually have a liberal arts background, mm-hmm. which probably a lot of people that go to law school have a yeah. liberal arts background. I think it's a combination of probably not knowing what you want to do. Um, and also, I think people that are interested in communications, they're interested in um, relationship building. I mean, those are the the important uh, factors. There. Certainly, my, my dad was an accountant, is an accountant. And you know, I started in college as an accounting major. I did it for like, I think half of a semester. And I was like, I don't want to do this. And I knew I didn't want to sit behind a desk all day. I wanted to be out Mm -hmm. meeting people. Even at that age, I knew kind of, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be just sitting behind a desk all day. But I think I've met people in, in the fundraising industry that have all kinds of backgrounds, engineers and history majors and English majors. It's just, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. Hey, everybody, we're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. You know, it really couldn't be cooler to have a sponsor and a partner like One Columbus. They are directly in alignment with everything we stand for and everything we're looking to promote here at Conquering Columbus. I mean, they just want to bring the most competitive companies to the area and make everything about the city and the region just one of the greatest places to live in the United States and in the world for that matter. Yeah, they're like the ultimate Columbus hype man. They're trying to bring new businesses here, show them what our strengths are, but also address some of the weaknesses and say, like, this is how we could get better. So for us, we're excited to help promote their goal and help tell the story with them on board. Absolutely. And uh, if you guys want to learn more about One Columbus, check them out at columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. So CCS fundraising, what types of organizations were you guys fundraising for? Or was it was it for a specific organization? They work sense? with all kinds of organizations. I primarily worked um, with religious organizations because that was, and still is today, a, a big sector that they work with. But they, they also have clients in the healthcare sector. I did a project with the Nature Conservancy in Pennsylvania. They do higher ed. So they'll, they'll do, they'll do any kind of, uh, of nonprofit Lions club international, like pretty much any kind. Okay. And so, and you spent some time doing projects there. Is that when, like after that, is that how you got into hospitals and healthcare? Yeah. So working as a consultant, as you guys know, you, you tend to move around a lot and go from project to project. And I had just gotten engaged and we really wanted to settle down and we're both from New Jersey and said like, let's try to make a home here and put our, our roots down in the Philadelphia area. And 
my brother and I were both patients at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia as kids, luckily for nothing too serious, but we had both been there. And I always had thought, you know, if I actually do fundraising for an organization, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia would be one of the top on my list. So I ended up applying for a job there and I was being put on another project in Maryland for with CCS. And I remember I had interviewed with who would be my mentor, uh, Jim Deegan. And actually a funny story about that. Um, when we interviewed, we, we were at a restaurant, we sat down and we interviewed, uh, and there were three of them from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and me. And uh, after the interview, Jim said, can we go walk around the block for a minute? And I said, sure. And so he's grilling me with questions. Why do you want this job? You know, why do you want to be here? And really like digging in. And I'm like, this guy's pretty intense. Um, and so I, I answered all the questions and um, I told him, I said, Jim, I really want this job. I really want to work here. I know this might sound like a jerk thing to say, but I need to know like by next week. And if you don't want me, that's totally fine, but I can't commit to this next project and then pull back out of it. If I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And they got back to me the next day and said, and, 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 uh, and hired me. But it, when I talk to Jim about it. Now it's funny. He said, I, I wanted to see if you were an empty suit. And when I first met you, I wasn't sure. And he said, so I wanted to take you around the block and really get to know you and, and, and ask some more questions. So it was, it was interesting. I mean, you know, coming from the for-profit world, even though we were nonprofit consultants, we were very buttoned up. I know I still have a suit on right now, but very buttoned up. And I think he was really just trying to get to know me and find out what makes me tick. Yeah. I think that's actually, so whenever I'm interviewing someone, there's like this question of like, okay, is this their interview face or is this their real face? Yeah. You know? So I totally understand that thought process and like, hey, let's get them out. Like, I think that's one of the reasons you want to make people a little uncomfortable and put them in positions they're not used to in an interview is like, hey, who is this person? Are they showing me the interview version of them or is this really who they're going to be in the office? Sorry. Sidetrack. So you take the job in Philadelphia and- what was that experience like? I mean, what did you what did you learn while you were there? I mean, it's got to be a little different than running projects for a variety of different industries. It was, yeah. Um, I learned a ton, a ton there, and I started managing uh, at that time. After I was there for almost a year, uh, Jim, who hired me, had had promoted me, and then I started managing a team of fundraisers that that grew over time. And so that was the first time I was I was managing people, which was a a big learning experience. Um, you know, getting to work directly with a lot of work with patient families that were coming through the hospital that were grateful patient families that wanted to support the hospital and just being a tiny, tiny part of their journey through through the hospital. And, you know, really emotional, these families are going through. Likely when we meet them, and the same here at Nationwide Children's, at one of the toughest times in their lives, right? And they're going through this really emotional experience and and when they decide to do something philanthropically and make a gift and you can kind of match them up with whatever their passion is, it's just a really powerful um, experience. Uh, so, you know, it was certainly a, a learning experience for me and to work at a, at a, at a big um, academic medical institution like that was fantastic experience. So my question is, how'd you end up at, uh, at Children's here? Yeah, so I had, I had left the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia for an opportunity at an adult hospital in Northern New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I was there for three years. And Jim Deegan, who had hired me at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, he was helping Nationwide Children source candidates 
for the president position in the foundation here. And long story short, he ended up taking that position and we had kept in touch all those years. And he said, Steve, you know, I'm, I'm going to be taking this job in Columbus, Ohio at Nationwide Children's Hospital. And it's this hospital that's growing like crazy and it's going up through the rankings and it's uh, just taking off like wildfire. And he said, I need somebody to help me, kind of a number two to come in and help me to take it to the next level from a fundraising perspective. And would you consider joining me? And, you know, Jim's the kind of guy I would have joined him in, you know, Alaska or wherever he went, I, I would have gone. But at that time, uh, married uh, two kids now at, at this point. And my wife, you know, said, no way. Hmm. You know, we, ne- we had never been to Ohio before, but never stepped foot in Ohio before. And all of our family, our entire network is in New Jersey. And, mm-hmm. and it just seemed so foreign. But we came out, interviewed, really fell in love with the people at the hospital. Um, my wife really liked the area. And we said, you know, let's let's take this opportunity. Let's, let's see what happens. And it's funny, looking back now, uh, we love Columbus. I mean, for a bunch of reasons. But because we're the best. Yeah, I think, yeah, primarily. Yeah. Yeah. But it's people here are so welcoming and, and it's just, it's very cliche to say, you know, it's a great place to raise a family, but it really is. Mm-hmm. And the communities here, the, you know, we live in the suburbs on the Eastern side and, um, you know, our church, the school where our kids go, I mean, we're just, we couldn't be happier and we love it here. So I asked that question mainly just to get into the crew. So the, the, I actually, um, we have, we have a, a match tonight, the first regular season match after this uh, restart and Children's is the interim sponsor. So Nationwide is taken over as the Jersey sponsor. And then this season, Ch- Ch- uh, Nationwide Children's is on the new kits. I should have worn my other one. I wore the old one because it's lucky. But how involved were you in that process? Did you know, is that something that you would touch or is that a completely different department? Yeah, involved with that for sure. Um, it was- more, That's a pretty big deal. More more of our, our marketing colleagues involved in that, but definitely involved in, in the conversations and um, but that is something that is, that is just one example of how nationwide the company nationwide supports the hospital. And I could go on for hours about that partnership, uh, but that was one where, you know, they, they became the Jersey sponsor and said, Hey, we want to do something for nationwide children's in this, in this deal and brought us into it for the first year. So we're so, so excited yeah, about that's it. Awesome. Um, I love it, the kit too. It's, yeah, it's a great, it, it is. Yep. So in terms of, uh, your first few years at, at, with the foundation, right? Uh, you came in as kind of help and support. And so you're helping support Jim. What does that look like? And then how do you, like, when do you become president and why? So I had, I was overseeing a, a, a large part of the office um, and, you know, mostly kind of the individual fundraising parts of the office. And Jim is a guy who's still one of my best friends uh, in a very transient guy. So he loves to build things and then kind of move on and build the next thing. And he really gets his um, meaning in life out of developing people and giving them opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise get. So Jim had even told me when when we moved here, he's like, you know, I'll probably be here for, for four or five years. And then, you know, my hope, Steve, is that when I'm ready to move on, that you'll be in a good position to take my role and, and, do, even, and do even better things. Um, and that's exactly what happened. And we were in kind of constant communication and he knew that he wanted to do some other things with his life and said, you know, I think the, the time is right to do this. And and luckily, you know, the, the hospital and the board had, I don't know if it was deserved or not, but enough faith in me to give me that opportunity to to kind of carry carry on um, and, and, and take the president role. And I, I've just been really grateful for that 
for that opportunity. So it's been what, two and a half years now, a little bit more than that. Um, and again, over the, you know, but the, 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 the number one reason why I was even in the position to take on that role was because all along the way, it was kind of Jim's unselfish leadership style where he brought me to every meeting with board members and our executive team. And so they all knew me and had a chance to get comfortable with me for four years but before that. And I certainly wouldn't be in this position without you know his mentorship and with his leadership style. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So now we're kind of here to today. Yeah. And we'd mentioned it earlier, fundraising, right? And that's the main goal for Nationwide Children's Foundation, I would imagine. It's helping fundraise for the hospital. And I'd imagine that a lot of the events and the different fundraising, I guess, again, events is the only thing I can think of the word I can use, you know, like the Columbus Marathon and some of the other events, like those aren't going on right now. Has that been a pretty big hit? What are you guys doing to pivot if so? Yeah, it's interesting when when people have asked me, how is it fundraising now in a pandemic? The only word that comes to mind is weird. And the reason I say that is that, you know, some companies, some individuals are doing really well right now. You know, the stock market as of, you know, this week is the highest that it's ever been. But then you have other industries that are businesses are closing and and it's just kind of devastation. Uh, so you never know. It, it really depends on who you're talking to and what the scenario is. It really is more than ever situation to, to situation. As far as the events go, there's no two ways about it. Fundraising is a social industry. Um, and when you talk about social distancing, we're the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're used to, to being in proximity of people and having events and large gatherings. Interestingly, a couple of our large events, like, and they're not our events, but the Memorial Tournament, the Nationwide Children's Championship, again, these are, these are events and tournaments that nationwide, the company sponsors, and then there's a fundraising mechanism around that. And interestingly, the Memorial Tournament, and we think already the Nationwide Children's Championship, which is happening right now, they're going to raise more money this year than they ever have. Part of the reason that is because they're, we don't have the expenses associated with the event. There are no spectators being one big one. Um, so the net is higher that we're actually getting getting more proceeds. Also, Dan Sullivan from HS and and HBI was able to to broker the workday tournament, which the workday open, uh, which benefited Nationwide Children's to the tune of about a million dollars, which was amazing and unexpected and and just incredible. But then there are some of the events, like you mentioned, the marathon, and we are pivoting on some of those where the marathon itself is not going to happen in 2020. But we have such a great partnership with the marathon team and they're allowing us to kind of use that platform to continue to fundraise. And so we're partnering with them to fundraise and we've in the next few weeks we'll be talking more about it but of how people can get involved and, and raise money for the hospital by doing different activities whether running a 5k or, or we're not replacing it with a virtual marathon but there's going to be a virtual way to raise money for the hospital. Right, so kind of similar to the Peloton strategy where you know you but you're not actually doing an event Maybe I'll go run at my home or I'll go run a marathon at home and raise money that way. Sure. It's peer-to-peer kind of digital fundraising. Yep. Yep. No, it makes sense. I mean, it's a good pivot. So my, my question would be, if I were in that situation, I'd probably be looking to focus on what I felt like would have the most impact. Are you guys more focused on that individual like grassroots fundraising or is it more focused on 
the larger corporate events, the corporate sponsors, that type of thing. I mean, it might sound hokey, but I think you have to focus on everything like you always do. You know, one of the big lessons that that came out of 2008 in fundraising during the recession, which is different, but similar, I think. And, and the similar lesson is that you automatically have, especially in, in March and in April, your initial instinct is to kind of crawl into a hole and not talk to people about anything because everything is so scary. And it was the same way in 2008. It was like, oh my gosh, the Dow's at 6,500. I can't possibly talk to a donor about a gift. Like I'm just going to run and hide. And the charities that did that really lost in 2008 because people still were giving and they might not have been giving at the amounts that they were before the recession, but they were. And after the recession, people had had kind of trimmed down the number of charities that they were supporting. And if you were one of those charities that didn't communicate with them and stay in touch with them, they had the feeling of, well, you only want to talk to me when you want money. And when things were rough, you didn't take the time to talk to me. So mm-hmm. that was a huge lesson that every charity learned. And so that was something that when this really started to get bad in, in March, that you know my message to our team was, we have to ramp up communication to all of our constituents. And let's not make up our donors' minds for them. Let's let them make up their minds. If they're not in a position to do something, they'll tell us. Yeah. If we have a good relationship with them and report, they will tell us. But let's not ask Mary for a gift because the world's really scary right now. No, mm-hmm. people are making gifts all over. You've seen the response that a lot of the COVID charities have been getting and Money is being diverted, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but money is being diverted from some of the traditional charities to some of these COVID relief funds. Um, So philanthropy, I think right now, is still pretty strong. It might be a little bit more diversified, but we're still having those conversations. You have to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a great insight. A lot of of people just, that's in anything too. And like in sales, people will be like, oh, they don't want it. I'm not going to call them. Or, you know, you talk yourself out before you even have the conversation. I've learned a lot of things in business by just asking, you know, can I have that? Can I do that? We help, you know what I mean? Obviously provide value to them, but just asking can you open a lot of doors. And I, and I think that that even more fundamentally applies to not just business, but life. I mean, you know, if you're looking at a job or you're looking at a business, or you're looking at starting something like you got to ask that question. You can't just sit there and hold it. Like if you sit there and you think, well, it's not the right time. It's not this, it's not that. Like there's and you always- got a voice kind of like where you're at. I, I talked to the, I'm in a position I started literally the two days before the world shut down. I took my first like real job and I was talking with a friend who works for the company that invested in them. And we were just talking and I was like, I think I'm ready to get a job. And he's like, what? He's like, why don't you tell me? We have like all these people that need you. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, I don't know, I don't know. And all I had to do was voice mm-hmm. the thought. You know, I, I hadn't even like formed it completely just talking to him. He didn't know. He would have never assumed like, oh, I'm going to offer him that job because he, he doesn't want the job. You know, he's doing this. But I, I just had to tell him where I was at. Yeah. And it, like you said, kind of one little conversation completely changed your life. It took me from one area completely into the other. And I was just kind of like an afterthought, like, I don't know. And he was like, you got to tell people what you're thinking so they can help you. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) So I think that's that's a great thing you can learn, even if you're not raising millions of dollars for a charity. Hey there, Conquerors. We want to take a quick moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Studio 301. Kyle and his team have helped us redesign our website, taking the podcast in a new direction that we truly love. And we have some incredible guests here on the show. And Studio 301 has given us a website that reflects the caliber of the people that join us. 
And the Studio 301 team can help you with everything from brand strategy and redesigns to market research, videography, social media overhauls, and a whole lot more. You can go check them out at studio301.org. That's studio301.org. So what do you see on the other side of this? What are you guys' long-term goals? And what, what do you see the foundation heading and nationwide children's hospital heading in the next few years? Yeah, I would say from a from a fundraising perspective, you know, we need to continue to build on uh, our major gift uh, program. And, and those are, you know, corporations and individuals that are making really transformational investments in, in what we're doing that allows the hospital to realize its vision and its goals in taking on these really bold and, and ambitious plans. You guys have probably seen the new Big Lots Behavioral Health Pavilion that we've built down on the campus and tackling an issue as complex as children's mental health is really tough. And we could talk for hours about why that is, but that's something that we can't take on without philanthropy. And hopefully you all have seen the On Our Sleeves campaign that we've developed. And that is something, that is a movement that our marketing team and the foundation created to raise awareness around mental health, to raise funds for mental health, to break stigma around children's mental health. And that's something that we're really hoping to turn into a national movement. And we're really, we've gained a lot of, of momentum uh, in the last year or so. And that is a big goal of ours in the foundation and, and with our marketing uh, colleagues is, is to grow this into a resource for any family anywhere in the country that will have the content, the educational resources for them for free. And to do that, we need corporate partners. We need individual partners to help fund that so we can continue to pump the resources and the content into the On Our Sleeves platform. And so that's a big, big focus for us right now. And it will be for the foreseeable future, for sure. So what about what about you personally? So do, do you have any personal objectives, personal goals for the next few years? Or are you thinking, you know, maybe it could even be outside of the foundation? Good question. Uh, I would say, um, not that I want to say that I don't have any ambitions, but um, I love my job and, and I feel like I can't even think of something else professionally I, I would want to do. I feel like I have kind of my dream job, the best job I could have, and I'm not perfect at it. So I want to continue working on on uh, every aspect of what I do personally and professionally and to be the best, you know, foundation president that, that I can be. I know it sounds super cheesy. Um, and, and just being the best resource for the executive team at the hospital and, and you know, being reliable and productive um, and a good colleague. Also, too, I would say I want to be a better mentor to my team. And how can I grow their capabilities and their responsibilities and put them in the best position for success? And it's a lot easier said than done. And I, I've, I've seen that you know, firsthand, I really do think it, that to do that to the best of your ability, you've got to be really unselfish and willing to put yourself on the line and, you know, not be in the limelight yourself and not take all the credit. And it sounds really easy to, to say that, but, you know, in reality, I was, I have to check myself, right. And say, Hey, are you being, you know, the, the best leader that you can be? And, and are you giving credit where credit's due? And are you, are you helping people grow? And that's, that's tough. I think we can all, you know, continue to work work on that. I think personally, I'm always trying to be, you know, a better dad, a better husband, and a better community member. And I feel like I'm constantly falling short at that, and I always need to 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 do better and to do better. And so that's a, a continual focus for me. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. 
Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Well, uh, Steve, before we get to our last question of the show, one thing I want to ask is if any of our listeners are out there and they're wondering, hey, how can I help support what's coming up down the pipe? Where can they go to find out those types of things? You can certainly go to our website, uh, nationwidechildrens.org. Again, if you want to learn more about On Our Sleeves, onoursleeves.org. And we have a ton of resources and ways to get involved there. Uh, we're starting up a, a monthly giving uh, society there with, to help On Our Sleeves. You absolutely can volunteer at the hospital. We have a lot of volunteer opportunities with COVID not right now. It makes things a little bit more challenging, but, but we always have, have needs there. And so whether you're giving, whether you're volunteering, there are a bunch of ways to help the hospital. So Steve, our last question of the show centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. Without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? I think... When, well, when I think of the phrase living uncomfortably, I guess I think about living in a way that's pushing your, your boundaries and, 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 uh, and your comfort zone and, and maybe trying new things and, uh, again, bettering yourself uh, how, with whatever, however, uh, whatever it takes. And I guess back to what I was talking about before, I mean, I always feel like I'm falling short in a lot of these things and I can be better and I can be better, but what am I doing about that? And how do I, how do I practically push myself to be same thing, better fundraiser, better leader, better dad, better husband? How do I, how do I do those things? And so that's a combination of, of activities. Number one, I think having the awareness to look inward and, and say, how am I doing at this? Which is really hard. I, I think to do that, uh, to say, how am I doing and how, and how can I be, how can I be better? And then leaning on on people, on on other, on mentors, on colleagues, on uh, on coworkers, of taking advice and feedback, and and then and then bettering yourself might be a horrible answer, but I don't no, know. I, I liked it a lot. I think you made a really good point. One of the hardest things to do is kind of look yourself in the mirror and admit where you're weak and say, "Hey, that wasn't good enough," or "I didn't do this well enough." And it's hard taking it from someone else, but it's even harder to look at yourself in the eye and tell yourself, Hey, you didn't do this well enough. So I think it's a great answer, Steve. Any last words for our listeners out there before uh, we, we call it a day? I don't think so. I really appreciate you guys having me on. No, we really appreciate you joining us as well. And it was, uh, it was great talking to you, Steve. So thanks yeah, so man, much thanks, for joining us. Thanks for coming. Great. Thanks guys. Yep. And, uh, conquerors, thanks for tuning in. If you guys enjoyed that episode, subscribe on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Steve Testa, president at Nationwide Children's Hospital Foundation. And, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Oh.